preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness. From all across the globe, this is Animal Radio. Wow, I just uh, saw the lineup for today's show. Pretty impressive as the summer season of stars continues. The very controversial Dr. John Robbs is back with us. Now, he says your veterinarian might be thinking more about his Mercedes than your pet. No, that's not good. No, that isn't. We'll find out uh, all the details. Also, allergies in your pets. Not you having allergies. Them having allergies, silly. Yes, they (laughs) can have allergies. And, you know, first of all, before we go on, I just got in late, and I'm looking at you, Judy, <laughs> and you look like uh, like you've been up all night. You're very good. I have been up all night. I am very tired. Why is that? Uh, my husband insists on bringing his dog to bed with us every night. Really? Yes, and some nights are better than others. Some nights are worse, and last night was not good. dog move around a lot? dog moves around a lot. I think the dog doesn't like the fact that I'm there. Mm. Yeah. You know, he wants my husband all to himself. I know a lot of people do this. I know a lot of people sleep with their pets, and sometimes it really ticks off their spouses. And, uh, you can see Judy's ticked off. I can relate. Not getting a lot of sleep there. Now, I love animals. Don't get me wrong. I understand completely. I understand. I know. I know. I feel you. <laughs> uh, Dr. Joyce Brothers continues the summer season of stars, and why not ask her about pets in bed and ticked off spouses, Okay. Does that sound good for you? Sounds good. I want to hear what she has to say. Uh, your phone calls one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Hi, who's this? Denise Branch. Hi, Denise. How you doing? I'm just fine. It's kind of hot today, though. Hot? Like how hot is hot? Well, it's ninety in the heat index of ninety nine in Missouri. Oh, it's good wow. to be in a, inside air conditioning here in Missouri. You say listening on. Uh, uh, what station is that there? KTTR. Very out of good. Rawa, Missouri. Very good. And uh, they joined us just about three or four weeks ago now. We welcome them aboard. What can we do for you today? Well, I have a problem with my chihuahua. Uh-huh. Your chihuahua? Uh, yes. Okay. She is losing her hair by the handful. Oh, my. How old is your chihuahua? Um, I believe she's like two years old. Two years old. Uh-huh. Losing hair. Is she a long hair or a short hair? I would consider her long hair. A long hair? Uh-huh. A lot of the short hairs actually shed more than long hairs. Is your dog indoor or outdoor? She's indoor. The thing is with indoor dogs is since they don't really have this go through the seasons, they're not out during the winter and the summer, they're kept indoors. They shed all year round instead of just seasonally. Is this all uh, all of a sudden out of the blue? It's been going on for quite a while. Any any big changes that you could correlate with uh, what's going on? No, none that I can think of. Have you had your carpets cleaned or replaced? No. All dogs need to be groomed, uh, especially long-haired dogs. But mm-hmm. if you're seeing that much, if it's really excessive... You really need to take her to the vet. I know. That seems like a kind of a stock answer, unfortunately. Yeah. Well. But just take her to the vet and have him check out everything and make sure it's okay. And if she's okay, then you just, you're just you going to have to groom her a lot every day just to keep the hair under control. It doesn't, doesn't sound like I'd be panicked, worried, worried about it. Uh, take, uh, take him or her to the vet. What, what's his name? It's a her. Her name's Angel. Angel, the Chihuahua. <laughs> I love yeah. Chihuahuas. They're small. Do you do you take uh, your Chihuahua everywhere? Put put your Chihuahua in your purse. Well, she's too big for my purse. <laughs> too big for your purse. Yeah. Um, I I usually take her a lot. 
with me, especially when we go camping. Huh. She likes to go camping, huh? Yes. Big traveler, huh? Is well, I'd like to be, but we usually just go down, down to the river and spend a few days. Hey, that's good enough. That's good enough. But Do you have any other animals? I've got another dog. I'm not sure what kind of sh- breed she is. <laughs> I call her a mutt, but she's my dog. And uh-huh. then I've got seven cats, if anybody would be interested in having any cats. Well, why so many cats? Well, they multiply. Yeah, well, you got you got to get them spayed and neutered. You, you know <laughs> yeah, how that I works. I know, but I just haven't had a chance to. Okay, uh-huh. well, you get on that. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to hook you up with some prizes for the, uh, for the animals, some gifts for the animals, for okay. the cats and the dogs. And we do encourage you to go to the vet yes. and have that checked out. Um, somebody told me not a vet, but somebody said that she might be low on protein. Yeah, that's why you that's why you want to take her to the vet and make sure there's no medical reasons for for the excessive shedding. Okay. And he can let you know if she is low, if it's something in her diet or if it's some allergy or something that's going on with her. He okay. will let you know. And she, do, yeah. Seems normal otherwise. Good. Good. Just a lot of shedding. Eating and, and going to the bathroom if any of those functions stop that means something urgent is happening and you need uh, to be at the vet urgently. Okay, thanks. Hold on a second. one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. We'd love to hear from you right now. She needs to go. She needs that. to go. De- definitely. Yes. That's what we're doing here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Spay and neuter your animals. No okay? time. Come on. Hi, this is David Fry on Animal Radio. I want you to think about this. It's much more important what we learn from our dogs than what we teach them. Well, I was late to work this morning because I had to stop at the uh, pharmacist to get some Sudafed. <laughs> uh, of course, this time of year, allergies just drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only what's outside, the pollens that are outside, uh, but even my animals. Now, I'm allergic to my animals. Are they allergic to me? Yes, it could be because, you see, they can have allergies, too. They can have flea allergies. They can have food allergies. Same things that make us sick, too, the the molds and tree pollens. We've pulled in the expert from the ASPCA, Berg Memorial Animal Hospital, Dr. Dean Budgen. Doctor, how are you doing? Fine, thank you. A beautiful day in New York, I take it? It's absolutely lovely. And a lot of allergies, a lot of pollens in the air? Oh, especially this time of year. Um, Trees in the springtime, and now we're seeing uh, more grass pollens, and followed by weeds later in the summer. I can't just go to the store and get Sudafed for my animals, but I know that something, especially one, Nike, our studio cat, is starting to lose patches of hair. Behind his ears. Behind his ears, and I can't, you know, there's no fleas that I can see on there. Is it an allergy, perhaps? It certainly could be, um, and it it would be very suggestive of an allergy if there was itching associated with the hair loss. And have you observed that? A little. He did at first, and he did get an allergy shot. He's not scratching anymore, but there seems to be more hair loss. So there are shots that are available for our animals? Well, there are um, shots that can be given, uh, frequently referred to as so-called allergy shots, but sometimes those are actually steroid injections. Mm, that's what it, that's what it was. That's what they told me. Yeah. Right. And and while steroid injections can relieve the itchiness, they can also be harmful long term. Mm. The best allergy shots to be given are actually similar to the allergy injections that are given in people, mm. which are based on testing and then taking the allergens or the actual pollen that 
um, or molds or mites that animals are reacting to and putting them into a so-called allergy vaccine. Mm, okay. What kind of signs should we be looking for to see if there's a, if this season or any season or any, I guess it could, be, it could be during the winter too, it could be mold in a basement or something like that. Sure. Is tripping off our animals an allergic reaction? Well, the most common signs um, of allergy do manifest in the skin. Um, with itchiness and skin redness and subsequent hair loss. And then what happens over time is they get itchy. Um, dogs tend to do more scratching and licking, whereas cats tend to excessively groom themselves. And then what can occur subsequent to all the itching and scratching is skin infections, either due to bacteria or yeast on the skin, which really perpetuates the itchiness. I see my pet sneezing. Is that an allergy or something just stuck up their nose or are they having a reaction? Sneezing too and upper respiratory signs such as coughing, eye discharge and nasal discharge um, can be a sign of allergy in in animals as well, particularly airborne allergies. Mm. More common manifestations are actually in the skin though. And the important thing to remember is that there's really no treatments that we can do without our vet. We should take our vet if we see these signs of, of itching or hair loss. Uh, or anything that you've just mentioned. Absolutely. We appreciate you spending time with us. I know this time of year must be busy uh, for a dermatologist. Is. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Jean Budgen joining us, the veterinary dermatologist at the ASPCA Berg Memorial Animal Hospital. You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more about today's guest at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. Hi, this is Clive Sears from HGTV. You're listening to Animal Radio. Please, please remember to spay and neuter your pet. Animal Radio is brought to you by the American Anti-Vivisection Society. Stop the FDA from allowing milk and meat from cloned animals to be sold in grocery stores. Contact the American Anti-Vivisection Society for information at www.endanimalcloning.org. Buddy, don't do that. Don't worry. Lots of dogs eat grass. Didn't you hear? Dogs can get worm infections from eggs and larvae in the grass. Those parasites can even infect humans. I know. That's why I give my dog Safeguard K9 Dewormer twice a year. It's a safe and easy way to eliminate and prevent the major intestinal worms that infect dogs and to protect my family against infection. Where can I find out more? Just visit www.safeguard.com. That's S-A-F-E hyphen G-U-A-R-D dot com. Did you see the paper? They mentioned cloning animals for food. Seriously? I thought cloning was still pretty experimental. It is. Most of the animals die or are born with some sort of health defect. So why is the FDA going to approve it? I don't know. It's upsetting that the FDA seems to be ignoring scientific evidence that animals in cloning suffer. And the FDA says that it won't even label cloned foods. That's outrageous. Yeah, and we could be eating meat or drinking milk from cloned animals and not even know it. Is there anything we can do to stop this? You can. Contact the American Anti-Vivisection Society at www.endanimalcloning.org to learn more about the problems with animal cloning and to help keep cloned food off grocery store shelves. Cloning animals for food is not just about food safety. Animal suffering and other ethical issues have been ignored for too long and must be considered. To learn more, visit www.endanimalcloning.org. Just because we can clone animals for food doesn't mean we should.
Did you know that dogs can get worm infections just by eating grass and that those same parasites can also infect humans? Protect your dog and your family by deworming your dog twice a year with Safeguard Canine Dewormer. For more information, visit www.safe-guard.com. That's S-A-F-E-G-U-A-R-D.com. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness. From all across the globe, this is Animal Radio. I don't know if you remember about four months back, we spoke to a gentleman, Dr. John John Robb, Robb, who put together an organization called Protect the Pets, a movement Uh of doctors really starting to reevaluate the ethics and make sure that the practice of veterinary medicine is practiced properly, I guess. And practiced for the care, not the bottom dollar. Not the uh, golf trip or the uh, trip to Mexico that your vet might be taking. He's uh, He's got our animals in mind, and I wanted to check in with him and see how it's going. Dr. John Robb, how are you doing? Good, Hal. How are you two doing today? Good. Very well. So tell us, how's Protect the Pets going? Well, you know, it's it's a process, Hal and Judy. Uh, it's going very well. Meaning, what's happening is is a lot of uh, stories are filtering into protective pets from pet owners in terms of what's happening to them in veterinary hospitals. So, uh-huh. like, what kind of stories? Well, you know, I had a very sad one the other day. Uh, a gentleman uh, dog was was ill, and the veterinarian hospitalized it, but didn't let him know that there would be no one there overnight, and. Uh, he was informed in the morning his dog was dead, you know. Oh, and, uh, not good. Yeah, he had the same illness uh, two years earlier, but he was closed when it happened, his vet. So he went right to the emergency hospital, and they, of course, had the critical care facility and got the animal through. So he was kicking himself for not going directly there, but he trusted that his vet, you know, was going to be caring for the animal. So well, it was a very sad story. But I assume, and I guess I'm assuming wrong, that there's at least a tech there overnight if your animal stays overnight? No, in many cases there's no tech. I mean, you know, I was just out visiting veterinary hospitals, and, uh, you know, veterinary made the statement to me. He goes, look, uh, we're going to lose a few overnight. That's the way it is. <laughs> I, I'm, not good. Not good. This is, this is, believe it or not, this is more the norm. Uh, and now I'm not, again, I always preface it by saying there's some excellent vets out there. As soon as they know they're going to be there overnight, they say, look, this dog's critical. He needs to go to a critical care facility. So, But there are some who just are willing to lose a few along the way, and it's just not acceptable. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip the other side here. I always hear this uh, at least once a week, someone who calls up and says, uh, either it's it's after hours and I need to go to an emergency vet, but it's just $200 for them to even see me, and, and, and it, I just don't have that kind of money. Certainly there are always going to be a, a percentage of people who are poor and can't afford medicine, whether it's human health care or for their pet. But, you know, some people just aren't prepared. You know, I when I'm working emergency medicine, sometimes I'll give an estimate and they'll say, wow, I can't do that, and they'll start to walk out and then the next thing you know they'll come back in and they'll pay the bill and go so some of it's just kind of sticker shock you know mm-hmm. but you know let's face it technicians in my facility they make 22 to 23 dollars an hour okay uh veterinarians are a hundred dollars an hour in emergency facilities and so when the equipment we just got digital radiography so now our x-rays are being read by a radiologist that but the equipment was a hundred thousand dollars so, so what you're mm-hmm. saying is the technology is advanced of course that means the price is going to advance you can't have one without you know if you want to drive around in Mercedes, don't go to a Volkswagen dealer. I mean, it's just not going to happen. The point of it is, is if you want great medicine, it's going to cost. There's no way around that, okay? So, but, but for most people, it's affordable. Now, again, some people don't budget in their mind, and that's a, 
an education thing for consumers to have to realize what they're going to spend. But my point with the veterinarian is they should be given the choice. Now, certainly if, if you say to Mrs. Smith, look, I have no overnight care, I'll pop in a couple times during the night, um, or you can take, you know, Duffy over to the emergency center and it'll cost more. What would you like to do? That's, that's the important thing. Uh huh. During the daytime, the emergency centers are not open, so you, of course you take your animals to your local vet. Uh, you're saying at the end of the day you should move your animal to the emergency care overnight and then uh, pick, and pick the animal back up and take it back to the vets in the morning? Absolutely. Although there are, you know, there's really a dichotomy in veterinary medicine now. There's the general practitioners and there's the specialty practices, many of which are 24-hour now. Uh, we tried to be 24-hour because the truth of it is most day hospitals, I know when I was a day practitioner, I would have rather not seen that hit by a car. I'm, just because my, my license says veterinarian, there's a specialty now for emergency care veterinarians. I mean, human doctors who practice dermatology don't see life-threatening emergencies and have to put in trach tubes quickly because mm-hmm. they're not practicing. So ultimately, we have to get to a place where people go to the emergency room day or night and they're open for pets. Is there any emergency service that is open 24 hours? Now, the ones I'm aware of are only open after hours overnight and they close down in the morning. There are there are some that are open 24 hours. Really? Uh, I had mine open for six months, 24 hours, but unfortunately, uh, the vets didn't send me things during the day, so I couldn't keep it up. But mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do is to educate the population, people, to go directly to the emergency clinic, not to their regular vet, because for the most part now, not everything's an emergency, so certainly they can call, but if it's a true emergency and there is a 24-hour facility, they're better equipped, they're better um, trained and your animal has a better chance of making it there than at the regular vet who's in the middle of 14 appointments, got spays and neuters going and doesn't have a dedicated staff to critical care. Right. Even spays and neuters, things we call routine surgery, mm-hmm. they should never be left overnight unattended. I've had animals, uh, the, the, the ligature comes off internally and the animal bleeds out, you know. Mm-hmm. If somebody's, they're better off at home with the owner where they notice there's a problem. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Right. I'd okay. rather watch my pet overnight. Do we all understand now? Do we all got it? Okay. <laughs> now, I want to talk about protect the pets here for a okay. second. Okay. You know, it's all about, if I was going to sum it up, it's bringing awareness to the consumer about what the problems are in veterinary medicine for two reasons. Number one, so they can maneuver through the system safely with their pet. Number two, so they can drive the changes necessary to transform veterinary medicine. I would imagine just by the creation of the website that you uh, openly admit there are a inordinate number of unethical, crooked doctors, veterinarians out there. You know, when you say uh, inordinate amount, I, I wouldn't put a number on it. Um, really, the, the biggest issue, the biggest crux is that there needs to be a change. The, uh, you know, we've gone from the house doctor, you know, Dr. Doolittle, who takes care of the farm animals, to MRIs, CAT scans, things like that. The general practitioners are kind of caught in the middle, okay? They don't have all that equipment, yet they're labeled a veterinary hospital. When do they refer? Should they refer? When do they go to overnight care? And then there's other issues. The plain fact is that because we're not very good business people, we oftentimes make poor business decisions, which impacts the pets. So veterinarians, many of them are running scared. They don't know how to maneuver in this changing environment. That's why I say there's a dichotomy. There's a specialty practice that have board-certified people in medicine, surgery. You go there, you're in great hands. They might not have the best table manners, but the medicine's good, okay? When you go to your general practitioner, 
guy like me who's 50 years old, when I got out of school, I did it all. I did surgery. I did cruciate surgery. I did chest surgery. So I know quite a bit and can do well. Mm-hmm. The guys coming out of school now, which actually are mostly gals, they, don't, they no longer get that experience because now they're specialists. So they're more of the gatekeepers, you see. General practitioners in time will become more of a gatekeeper to the specialists, okay? But mm-hmm. in this flux, in this situation of flux, if the consumer doesn't know what they're getting, they may get a general practitioner who's trying to hold on to everything but don't have the expertise. Mm-hmm. This is the problem. So it's not so much, I mean, there's crooks in every field. There's, there, that's out there. But... You know, a lot of vets say keep it in-house, but I don't think we're able to transform ourselves, and that's why public awareness needs to drive. Well, you know what? I, I actually love the transparent, your transparency, and I think uh, it, it actually makes me wish you were here <laughs> and my vet. So, uh, and uh, you do have 40 vets that have joined Protect the Pets. We have 40 vets that have joined. We have many technicians. We have about 1,000 consumers who've signed up. Um, you know, we're, I mean, I'm going from being a veterinarian to getting this word out. So it's a learning experience for me, Hal and Judy, in terms of how to connect the message to the public. But I have an excellent uh, public relations lady, Laura Newman, who's really helping to get the word out. Like, we've just launched a campaign to bring awareness to the fact that most veterinary technicians are not licensed. Mm-hmm. This is a very important issue because in many cases you have people watching your animal under anesthesia, monitoring, who really, some of them don't even know how to do the math skills to figure out a dosage, okay? So it's bad stuff, but again, the public's not aware of it. The vets don't know how to fix it because they just think, gee, I don't want to pay the tax more. I can't afford it, you know? Uh So, So we have these problems, but... You know, uh, public awareness is really what, what this movement's about. So the more people who go to the site, sign up for the buttons, get the newsletter, we need to bring these voices together is what I'm saying. So I can go up to the website and find a list of these doctors? You can find a list of these doctors, um, sign up to get a button to wear. You know, I'll give you a decal for the car, but more importantly, we can work together so when there's a need for the voice to come forward, I can call on the people who are out there to protect the pets to speak, you know, especially those with stories because we've got to get the stories out to the, to the press so that they know what's going on behind those closed doors. Dr. John Robb joining us. ProtectThePets.com is the website. Of course, links to everything you've heard today at AnimalRadio.com. You just mentioned a second ago about <laughs> the fact that female, uh, there are more females now in veterinary medicine. I just got this, uh, is this from the... I believe this is the Journal of American Veterinary Medical Association has press released us saying okay. that 50 years ago, women experienced difficulties enrolling at U.S. veterinary schools. There were very few female veterinarians. Uh, the practice of discrimination was so accepted that some veterinary schools sent out rejection letters to female applicants telling them, frankly, that the school didn't accept women. Today, today, four veterinary schools or colleges have female deans in veterinary classes, there you go. Uh, which is fabulous. And for the first time in history, female veterinarians outnumber men, according to this news story here, which is... Actually, we're, we're a dying breed because I know at my alma mater, UC Davis, uh, 80% are women. coming out of school so uh, I think it's a good thing because women are much more sensitive to for instance pain management you know women veterinarians and they get in there and they they feel they're like mothers you know (laughs) you know they think and we guys we're out there doing the business you know so I think it's a great thing you know there's lots of reasons for it not all of it is some of it is because uh, veterinarians just don't make uh, the kind of money that other professionals do so many men are going to uh, you know, other industries, and that's uh-huh. part of the problem. So. Okay. 
Well, we appreciate your time, and we'll do it again very soon. Keep it's up the great, great work. Dr. John Robb, Protect the Pets. Thank Check you, Hal. Thank you, Hal and Judy, for your time. You guys have a great day. Coming up, Dr. Joyce Brothers continues the summer season of the stars. We're going to ask her... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask her... <laughs> about pets in bed, okay? You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more about today's guest at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. Animal Radio is brought to you by Get Serious, a stain and pheromone remover so easy to use, even men can do it. Hey, hey wait a minute. <laughs> Don't take any more excuses, women. It's time to get serious. Get Serious is available at PetSmart and online at GetSeriousProducts.com. Did you know that dogs can get worm infections just from eating grass and that those same parasites can also infect humans? Ew, gross. Thank goodness there's a safe and easy way to eliminate and prevent the major worms that infect dogs. Safeguard K90 Wormer. Just sprinkle it on your dog's food twice a year. And that's it? Yep. For more information, visit www.safe-guard.com. That's S-A-F-E-G-U-A-R-D.com. It's the best way I know to protect my dog and my family against intestinal worm infections. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness. From all across the globe, this is Animal Radio. Okay, are you there, Dr. Brothers? I'm there. Good. We, we have a cat that occasionally walks across the uh, engineering board uh-huh. and will press buttons down and... <laughs> Uh, for days, we try is to figure she, is out... Is she union? She is union. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Brothers on Animal Radio, We've uh, I guess we've had you on before. It's been a few years. It has been yes. a few years. So we're very ha- happy to have you back. It's always good to talk with you, Hal. A few minutes ago, we were talking about uh, what happens when the dog decides to sleep in the bed... Uh-huh. And uh, decides it wants to stay there all the time, and now you have three people in bed and one angry spouse. Well, I have had that situation in my family long ago. Uh, not an immediate family, but uh, far, far off family. Uh-huh. And uh, the lady had a chow, um, and the dog was very territorial and wouldn't let the husband get to the bed. Uh-oh. So they ended up with two rooms, uh, and then they ended up with a divorce. Oh, really? <laughs> so yeah. she preferred the dog to the husband. Well, the dog gives you unconditional love and probably doesn't smell as much as the husband. Uh. I know, but... Well, what do you do in these kind of situations? Well, it depends totally on uh, whether the dog is a one-person dog, uh, and that makes a problem for the individuals. Um, and we choose our dogs to some extent because of our personality or the kind of dog you like reveals your personality. So, uh, And then when we pick our mate, we want the opposite. Um, for example, a very intellectual person would, would uh, see somebody who is just very comfortable in a social situation and uh, envy that person and then feels that if he was able to have that person his, uh, that he would be able to be acceptable in social uh, situations. And she, uh, always wanting an intellectual or wish that she was an intellectual, feels the same way. So uh, they mate. Uh, but the kind of dog you like also reveals your personality. Oh, really? So, yes. And sporting breeds such as pointers and retrievers and setters are chosen by hardworking, conservative, ambitious, loyal, virtuous people. And Airedales and miniature schnauzers appeal to optimistic, friendly, fun-loving people who like to party. And I was interested to know whether or not the truth... I've heard forever 
whether uh, pups resemble their owners. And they finally, they finally have done a very careful study at the University of California, uh, and it was published in a psychological journal. And what they found was that um, they, they photographed dogs and their owners uh, and gathered information about the breeds and how long owners and pets had been together. And then they asked a large number of students to try to match the people to the dogs. And the students were able to match dogs to their owners, but only when the dogs were purebred. Because they found that when people pick a pet, they want one that at some level resembles them. And when they get a purebred, they get what they want. But uh-huh. a non-purebred puppy... You can't tell what it's going to look like when it's when it's full grown, so the resemblance is not as predictable as if you have a pure purebred. So I've finally put that worry in my mind to bed. Wow. Uh, well, you know, you know how they say if spouses live together for a while, they start to resemble each other. Yes, and apparently they thought that maybe that was true of dogs, but it's not true of dogs because the food is not the same uh, <laughs> as you have with uh, with husband and wife, but. The whole question of, of pets and how they relate to, to couples is a difficult one because uh, there are a number of situations, so many, that there are actually lawyers who specialize in this. When a couple is living together or married and they break up uh, and they don't have children, uh, they fight bitterly if they both love the dog and they fight bitterly and go to court mm-hmm. in, uh, over the dog. So there, there's enough of that that they're literally... Uh, lawyers who specialize in uh, in, in uh, what happens in court uh, when the two of you can't divide the dog in half. I don't know if that's a sad state, uh, yeah. sad side, really where where we are in society today. Yeah. Well, it, it, apparently, uh, a lot of people choose to today to uh, to shack up rather than to marry. Uh, and uh, it's an unfortunate situation because one of the new studies indicates that those people who choose to live together instead of marrying are more likely to be unfaithful to one another. In fact, the infidelity rate is about the same for the living together as it is for couples who are just dating. At some point along the way, we're going to rethink the living together situation because it isn't a prelude to marriage. Not working. It's not working. Uh, and it, you are more likely to get divorced if you live together first. Um, so, uh, And we never really understood why that should be so. It should be a trial marriage, but it mm-hmm. isn't. But again, the new studies indicate that um, when, when you choose to live together, it's because you feel that the person you're going to either marry or live together with uh, is risky. Uh, they're not sure that this person is, is going to work out. So that riskiness uh, seems to factor into the fact that you're more likely to get a divorce if you live together first. Boy, that's, mm. that's strange psychology. Yes, yes it well, is. We have some, some really strange pet psychology <laughs> as well. Um, you know, the, there are people who have looked at what cats mean when they uh, uh, dogs bare their teeth and it can be a friendly smile but it could be uh, but you have to make sure that the tail is, is wagging uh, you know happily uh, but if the tail is straight out behind when someone has bare teeth an animal has bare teeth it can mean the dog is gonna is ready to fight uh, but cats uh, uh, are, are different uh, for cats uh, they swish their tails and that indicates annoyance, mm-hmm. but the cat will tuck its leg be- 
its tail between its legs if it's scared, and and it can fluff up its body if it's angry. Um, and uh, uh, perked up ears facing forward indicate a happy, curious cat. And the study indicates that when the ears are back, uh, the cat is rigid. He's unsure of what, or she's unsure of what move to make. So it's interesting kinds of body language that we see. So is there a way for compromise if one person's a cat person and the other person is a dog person? Well, you can get a cat and a dog uh, that get along with one another. I've known many such situations. Not if it's... It, I was once uh, at a luncheon and the lady across from me, uh, the tears were running down the cheeks and I said, why, is she, why are you crying? And she said she had a little um, bird uh, that was a pet, uh, a quail, and uh, it... <laughs> had a name and it it, uh, it fed and it fed with her dog. The the two were very very friendly mm-hmm. and um, and she was very pleased to have them both eating out of the same bowl. <laughs> uh, and then unfortunately the bird met up with a, another kind another dog, and that was the end of it for the bird. Mm-hmm. Well, it was probably very trusting, thinking it was going to get the same reaction. It was going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, another thing that I uh, found um, not me personally, but found in the, re- in the research, is that animals have friends. They like to have friends. Pets really? of their own. Cats, too? Cats, too. They like, they, they actually have friends uh, that they feel close to uh, and, uh, and, and take care of un- and, un- under certain circumstances. Well, our cat told us that uh, he wanted to have another cat. He wanted a pet, so we got our cat a, a little pet, a little kitten. And then a goldfish. <laughs> and a goldfish. And then a BMW. And a goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> Judy, how does your cat let you know that you that uh, he or was a female cat, male cat? He was a male cat. Male cat. How did he let you know that he wanted a, a friend? Well, he told me he wanted a pet because he doesn't think he is a pet. He he's he's part of the family. He's part of the family, and he decided it was time that we got a pet. <laughs> so. Let me ask you this question. Uh, are there people that go over the edge loving their animals too much? They're, for instance, I call my uh, cats my children, and uh, I do treat them very much like children. Uh, some people look at me a little weird. Uh, but the cats don't think you're weird. They have trained you. Yes, they have. <laughs> Is it okay for me to love my animals this much? <laughs> I, think the, I think people are looking at you weird anyway. Well, I don't think it's the animal thing. Well, this is a serious question, ladies. Don't make fun of me. Very okay. serious. Well, one serious question about the family and the, and the pet is the care that you must take when a newborn is, uh, enters the family because mm-hmm. uh, a great many uh, dogs particularly, um, but cats as well, uh, resent the fact that, they, that uh, it's, it's no longer... They're not the center of attention anymore. Mm-hmm. So you need to be very careful uh, when you first bring a, a little baby home uh, that the dog and the, and the baby are not together in the same room alone. Yes, and you can learn a lot about that on, on the Internet, uh, how to introduce uh, a brand-new baby to animals at home. Do a Google search. Doctor, I know your time is precious, and we're, we're just about out of time ourselves. i got to say, there's a lot of parallels and similarities between human psychology and animal psychology, huh? Yes, but I'm afraid I'm, I'm not in the same uh, ballpark with pet psychics. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty easy to psychic a dog or a cat when they can't say, no, that isn't When me. they can't deny it, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you have any pets at home? Yes, we had a little doggy. I sent my daughter and uh, husband out to buy a, uh, a little animal, and they came home with the sickest dog 
you ever saw. It was a little cocker spaniel. And my daughter said, the other dogs don't need me, Mommy. This dog needs me. Oh. And this dog was sick for every one of the 18 years that it <laughs> lived. <laughs> and I gave so many speeches to a veterinarian groups for free to get care for this dog. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, uh, uh, one of the veterinarian magazines had a little uh, article which said, we should have listened to Dr. Brothers 10 years ago because I was talking about the fact that you needed not only to take care of the animal but you needed to pay attention to the owner because the cost of keeping a dog or a cat well would grow and grow and grow because mm. there'd be so many things that could be done uh, for animals. And there is. There are so many things that... Uh, and you can spend a bundle at the uh, veterinarians. Oh, yes. Doctor, thank you so much for your time. Dr. Joyce Brothers it's on Animal Radio Network. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Hal. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more about today's guest at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. Hi, this is Patrick McDonald, creator of Mutts on Animal Radio. I suggest you all go adopt a mutt. Do you know what you're serving for dinner tonight? If the FDA has its way, the milk and meat you see at the grocery store could come from cloned animals. And you won't even know because it won't be labeled. Cloning animals for food involves more than just food safety. Animal suffering and other ethical issues must also be considered. The cloning process uses hundreds of animals to produce just one clone, causing death or severe health problems for most of the animals involved. Just because we can clone animals for food doesn't mean we should. Contact the American Anti-Vivisection Society to learn more about the problems with animal cloning at www.endanimalcloning.org. That's www.endanimalcloning.org. And have a voice in what you are serving for dinner tonight. Attention cat lovers, does your cat have star quality? Have you ever wanted to direct your own film? Here's your chance with the Who's the Next Scoop Free Star Contest from Lucky Litter and Animal Radio. Scoop Free, the self-cleaning litter box you leave alone for weeks at a time without any scooping, is the ultimate in odor control. You could produce their next commercial in Who's the Next Scoop Free Star. Come up with a creative way to advertise Scoop Free. Go to ScoopFree.com for more info and download artwork and music. See you in the movies. Judy, one of the studio cats just vomited under my desk. Can you clean it up, please? <laughs> you can do it. Me? I'm busy booking all the celebs for the show. I, I don't do stains. Well, now you can. Go ahead, grab that bottle of Get Serious over there. Uh-huh. It's going to remove both the stain and any pheromones left behind. Just go ahead and squirt it on, work it in, and all you have to do is blot it with a thick towel and hold it for about five seconds. Come on, I know you can do it. Okay, I'll give it a try. I'm squirting. I'm working it in and blotting. And, whoa, the stain is gone. You mean you were able to remove the stain all by yourself? Women, get serious. It's so easy to use. Even men can do it. Hey! Yeah, so don't take any more excuses from those guys. It's time to get serious. You can find Get Serious at PetSmart and in pet stores all over. Visit their website at GetSeriousProducts.com. Hi, this is Jamie Farr, and you're listening to the Animal Radio Network. And remember to spay and neuter your pets. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Calling someone bird brain may no longer be an insult. 
Findings from a recent experiment conducted by British scientists showed that birds actually can think ahead. Thinking about the future is a complex skill considered by many to be uniquely human, but eight Western scrub jays have scientists wondering. Two different tests were used to see if the birds could plan for future meals. Scientists set up feeding schedules so the birds would not be fed in the morning at a specific location. They found the birds stashed food the night before at that location, showing that they were preparing for breakfast. They stored only a third of the food at a different location where they usually got a morning meal. Scientists then fed the birds two different types of food: pine nuts or tiny dog biscuits in two separate locations. When the birds were suddenly offered both, the birds distributed the food to provide each location with the kind of food it usually lacked, so they'd have more of a variety at breakfast the next morning. Now that's smart thinking. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Welcome to Voice of the Animal. The season of summer begins on June 21st. When our closest star, the sun, reaches its zenith at the highest point in the heavens, we celebrate this longest and most brilliant day of the year as the summer solstice, a time of light, joy, and happiness. This year, during the week of solstice, our biggest star aligned in favor of animals. As a fashion designer, a grocer, and a president, made decisions that will dramatically influence and affect the lives of animals all over the world. The fashion designer is Ralph Lauren, and his decision to eliminate the use of fur in his clothing and home collections means thousands and thousands of animals—rabbits, raccoons, foxes, minks—and if the fur comes from China, cats and dogs—will be spared an unspeakably cruel and violent fate. Lauren joins other fashion designers in retail stores, including Ann Taylor, J. Crew, Victoria's Secret, and The Limited, in not using fur in their designs and products. Bravo to you, Mr. Lauren, and to all of those designers and retailers who choose not to clothe their customers with cruelty. May the sun shine ever brightly on all you do. The grocer is John Mackey, founder and CEO of Whole Foods. Who made the decision to stop selling live lobsters in his chain of 183 Whole Foods stores? Mackey is a vegan, and although Whole Foods does sell meat and seafood, he stands on the front lines of the food industry in advancing standards for compassionate animal welfare. Thanks to Mr. Mackey's decision, lobsters will no longer haunt the seafood aisle in tanks, as poet laureate Billy Collins describes, filled to the brim with their copious tears. Since the lobster in Chinese myth is a symbol of mirth, Mr. Mackey's decision has given both lobsters and animal advocates everywhere something to smile about. The president is George W. Bush. Although his administration is not known for its support of environmental or animal advocacy legislation, on June 15th, the president's signature created the Northwestern Hawaiian Islands, the 75th national monument in the United States. This new monument, bigger than all other national monuments combined, is located due west of Kauai. Now the largest protected marine area in the world, it is the size of 46 out of the 50 states and is home to over 7,000 species of birds, fish, and marine mammals, including the endangered Hawaiian monk seal and spectacular reef corals. 
With one stroke of his pen, the president created the largest act of ocean conservation in history. That means a big aloha for the future of Finn families. Thank you, Mr. President. May the power of your pen continue to write a brighter future on behalf of animals everywhere. For animals and animal lovers everywhere, let us hope more great news for our four-legged, winged, and finned friends is in the stars. Visit us on the World Wide Web at voiceoftheanimal.org. For Voice of the Animal, happy summer from Rayanne Cumulos. Thanks, Rayanne. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost summer, just around the corner here. Woohoo! That means it's time for us to go for this hour, and we're going to go play outside. No, we actually have more at AnimalRadio.com. Of course, we're streaming online 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, with fresh animal programming. And that's at AnimalRadio.com. There's so much there. If you haven't checked out our website yet, please uh, head on over there. And uh, remember, you can also get your fix 24 hours a day, 7 days a week on your cell phone. Any cell phone, any provider, it's free. Except you got to text ANIMAL to 27627. Standard text rates apply. And that's ANIMAL to 27627. And, of course, all that information at AnimalRadio.com. You can also call us at one 405 8405 If you have any questions about your pet throughout the week, we answer that phone. We answer all our calls, all our email at yourvoice@animalradio.com. Uh, I want to thank Dr. Joyce Brothers for joining us for the summer season of STARS. Uh, we were supposed to have Randy Jackson this week. I understand he had a golfing accident. <laughs> Something with the ball washer. I don't know what the exact deal is, but the summer season of stars continues right here on America's number one pet talk, Animal Radio. Before we go, remember, if you get a pet, please spay or neuter. And if it happens to be a cat, don't ever declaw. And if you're looking for a certain breed, don't go to a breeder or to a pet store. Go online to a breed rescue or go to your local shelter. There you go. Judy Francis, ladies and gentlemen, stage right. I'm Hal Abrams. We'll see you next week for more Animal Radio on this fine station. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.